Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad. And this is the Give First podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities in some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? Oh man, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Took us a while to get it organized, but we did it. I'm here with someone that I've known for several years. Actually got a lot of personal tips from, some coaching, some productivity hacks. And it's Patrick Ewers of MindMaven. Patrick, thanks for joining us on Give First. Hey, thanks for having me. Tell people listening a little bit about yourself and MindMaven, how you sort of got to that point in your life. It's a funny story. I actually joined the company when nobody thought it would be as big as it is now or would get there because I believed so much in relationships and this thing. And so basically after my stint was over there, I wanted to do more. And the idea of doing MindMaven basically came to me while I was traveling around the world. My wife and I, we were basically circling the Pacific Ocean, visiting all the continents. And at one point, we ended up in a Buddhist monastery doing a 10-day silent meditation retreat. And I was basically contemplating what I'm going to do with my life afterwards. And basically, the idea of doing MindMaven came basically right after that. And I think you also asked me like what we do, right? I should probably... Yeah, I think it'd be good to just give people basic background. The way I explain it is you give leaders superpowers and you're sort of relationship management genius, but how do you explain it? That's pretty much it. Basically, at the end of the day, we're a coaching organization, but we focus on one thing and that is basically to help people achieve true greatness. When you look at the word true greatness, I think it's the most subjective term you will ever come across, especially in the world we're working in, right? For some, it is that they really want to reach the top, right? They want to become the next Elon Musk. Most people want to just reach their fullest potential and build something bigger than themselves or, or leave a legacy. And actually, most of our clients really want to like change the world for better in one way or the other. And so it doesn't really matter what your true greatness is. We help you achieve it by focusing on relationships, right? And most people would ask, well, why relationships? That's odd. The answer is actually very easy or simple. It's, it's because I believe you don't know a single person who's reached the top without help from others. It's a state that doesn't exist. You just don't know anybody like this. And so most people would agree with me, right? I assume you agree too? No brainer. I mean, yeah, it's all about network and people and helping each other, right? Right, exactly. But, right, if I were to ask you, are you doing today enough to taking care of relationships? Almost everybody I ask looks at me a little bit sheepishly with a little bit of a guilt twist in the face and saying, no, I don't. I'm way too busy. I'm running like red hot. And so we have to ask ourselves, why is that? Why is this? that we're not doing this, even though without the relationships and the attention to them, we cannot actually reach our fullest potential. And the answer is very simple. It is that relationships are important. We both don't have any doubts about that, but the things we have to do to take care of them are never urgent. And we are living in an increasingly urgency-driven environment. It's actually one of the plagues that I think we have in our society. And so to overcome that, we need to overcome the classic challenge of importance versus urgency. And there's only 
one way to do that, really. Actually, two solutions of how to do this. You have two options. Number one, you can start using your time smarter. And that is really learning the skill of being very artful with intent, becoming more intentional in how you allocate your time so that you focus that on those things that matter most. That's one big area you should absolutely focus and and, and try to get better at. And uh, most people are actually doing that. The second solution is equally as important, if not more important, that is that you have to constantly look at freeing up your time by stopping to do those things that you're doing that actually don't provide extra value or that other people could do for you. It's really focusing about getting more leverage. And the leverage that I'm personally very interested in is the leverage of the office of the CEO, if that makes sense to you, right? The office of the CEO is is once you've hired all of the C-level people, your marketing person, your VP of engineering, et cetera, et cetera, they are going to take over all of those functions for you actually left with nothing else but the responsibilities of the CEO. And see, a lot of CEOs hit a ceiling there because all of a sudden you can't leverage more because you can't hire somebody else to be who you are, right? I'm sure you experienced similar things when you took over. And that's the point I want to make is what I think people have to do is get leveraged by hiring an EA, that's an executive assistant or a chief of staff. And we basically focus on teaching you how to basically get real leverage out of them. And we're basically capable of freeing up eight to 10 hours of time each week. So basically a full workday by doing this type of work. And it's amazing. I mean, that's how I first engaged with you and several people around Techstars first engaged with you is just this feeling of being overwhelmed and, and all of this resonating with me when I first heard it many years ago and sort of falling into that trap that you're talking about, which is I don't have time. Like I, I know I should do this. And then you help us understand, well, others can help you make time and others can help you make sure you do this. It just has to become a priority. And you're a huge believer that really this is the path to greatness as a leader, right? Is through taking the time to actually manage and build these relationships. So, Well, but you're hitting on a really important point. This is the funny thing is if folks were to describe what we do, a lot of people would describe us as productivity gurus. <laughs> well, only that because we had to solve the time problem because of the urgency versus important problem. So if you know our listeners here would suspend belief and just believe us for a moment that we can actually free up 10 hours a week of your time, the question you should then ask yourself is, well, what do I do with that time? And my answer is basically focus that time now onto relationships because it will reward you in dividends that you can't even possibly believe, right? And the two areas that I would point every founder that is listening here to is almost every startup founder that made it, that had some sort of success can point to one point in time where something incredible happened because somebody they knew thought of them. Game-changing stuff like break it or die type of stuff. Because somebody they know came across something that was incredibly meaningful and they thought of you, right? And that only happens if you manage those relationships well so that these people are capable of thinking of your time, right? That's one thing. The second thing is once you are really, truly not a founder anymore, but a CEO, and I know I get tarred and feathered by some of your listeners, the only job you have is to find the best people you can and convince them to join you and then make sure that they keep on wanting to be excited about the vision that you're leading them on by getting them to follow you through hell and back. And that's, again, just relationship stuff. And it's really hard to do that if you don't have the time for it. And that's why we focus on first freeing up time by bringing incredible leverage and intent into your world and then committing you to saying that time that is freed up, you're not going to just go reactive on something else. Let's focus on that. That actually makes a difference. 
It's so important. And you said everyone can think of one thing. And if you've been at any business for a while, you can probably think of five or 10 things that were just someone thought of you in that moment because you had maintained a relationship or someone thought of your competitor or someone else in that moment because you didn't, right? And you're wondering, why didn't I see that opportunity? It's about giving first in the relationship with them, right? Helping them out in some way, having a genuine relationship so that down the road, right, they'll think of you in a moment that really matters. Any specific stories come to mind that you like to tell? to make it real for people that are listening, like something game-changing that happened because of relationship management? Yeah, you got me caught off guard here because I, I hear so many stories, but yeah, I'll tell you one. This is a real story. And I think it's very, very profound because it's one of those things that really gets often neglected. So there's this company that I worked with and I also knew the investor quite well. It's a while back. They basically grew to become the second biggest social gaming company in our industry. But they did something really smart right around Series A or after Series A. The founder, CEO, and that investor started maintaining relationships consistently with those people that work at the companies that might eventually acquire them. Very early, most people wouldn't do that, but they did it. They basically did this type of work proactively because they knew it was important. And so basically the years went by and then at one point it happens like it often happens. All of a sudden you basically have a offer to buy you on your table. Holy shit. And it very often, right, you see that comes out of nowhere in some way or other. And so in this case it happened. It was for 200 million. That seems worth the investment. I mean, that's, that's a good outcome. Well, well, well no, I'm not done. The, the story is actually even more powerful. So what did they do? They activated all of those relationships of all of the other people that they had kept warm over the years. And basically what ended up being the end result is that seven days later, they sold the company for 400 million to another company. And the point that I'm making here is there's no way that with fundamentals or better product development or better sales, you can double the valuation of your company in seven days. The only way you can do that is through relationships like this. Yes, I know this was a very profound, big story, no doubt, but... This happens on the smaller scale as well. It could be about somebody that you end up hiring because somebody thought of you and that person's exactly that partner you needed in the engineering who's actually solving some things that you weren't able to do on your own. A hundred percent. It's not a foreign story to me. I mean, the very first exit, there have now been hundreds of exits out of the Techstars portfolio, but number one was social thing back in the day, right? It was in the first class of Techstars and it was a relatively small exit, 10 million, $15 million exit. And a Techstars mentor, my co-host on the show by the name of Brad Feld, got on the phone, used a relationship with the acquirer, and in about 24 hours doubled the exit price. And that was the relationship and the ability to convince them of the value that was higher than what they were thinking. That was built over 20 years, right? Not over a phone call. I don't think without that relationship, you would have been able to generate that kind of value. So it's very common. It works with investors, exit scenarios, business partners, whatever. Literally, one of the things we coach at Techstars all the time that's relevant to this is always be fundraising. You're not fundraising for your next round now. You're building relationships for your next round now. Exactly. So that these people trust you and your ability to execute by the time you come around and says, I'm ready. That's exactly it. Yeah. So back to freeing up the time, because that's the perceived barrier. Although, you know, if you prioritize it, you can find time. And it does take a lot of time and it's hard for a lot of people. You advocate sort of using an EA to really help you with this. And for a few practical tips, maybe for people listening, how can an EA help you with, with sort of creating some time? Absolutely. So the first tip that I have is don't be scared of hiring an EA early. A lot of people are very resistant to it because they think an EA is a administrative overhead type of thing. It's a luxury. I'm a lazy founder if I'm like hiring an EA right away. 
for particularly this reason, we actually invented a new role, a role that we call the engagement manager or EM, as I will refer to it, because the way you should think of this role is sort of like a hybrid between a EA and a chief of staff, right? If you look at that, there's a spectrum between what those two people do. Somebody's highly tactical, the EA is doing scheduling, travel, and that stuff. And then you have the chief of staff who's helping you with strategic projects. There's a huge gap in the middle that actually isn't filled. And so the M does things like free up as much time as possible on your plate, no matter what it is, because every minute or hour they can free up, you can use that for doing proactive work that you really want to be doing. And then the second thing that this person will take on is basically helping you engage with your network in a better way. There are a bunch of different playbooks that we developed. In fact, we developed over 50. I can maybe explain an example of one of those if you're up for it. I would argue you would agree with me that it is a good idea to send somebody a follow-up email if you had an hour-long meeting with this person, right? It feels good for that person to get a follow-up email to you, no matter how high you are. In fact, the higher you up in the ranks, that I say, the more powerful it is that you send that follow-up email. Well, the reality is, if you do it today, 40% of the time, you're world-class. Why? Because we're, again, so busy that we end up not sending those emails, even though we all agree it's an important thing to do. But the urgency of our life gets into the way. So I started thinking, well, what do we do about this? Well, we leveraged three things about this follow-up email. Number one, nobody's ever valued you for writing an email. It has never happened and it will never happen. They only value you for sending it. And then number two, you can talk four to five times faster than you can actually type. And number three, you can talk wherever you are while you can only type when you're sitting in front of the computer. So the system is zero rocket science. It's very simple. All you do is you basically install a dictation app on your phone that basically can take your voice and then that one ships it into a task management solution and alerts your EM, your assistant, to a new task. He or she now listens to that and turns what you dictated into something that reads well because we don't talk the way we would write and puts that dictation into your draft folder. If you had eight meetings throughout the day, you would have eight emails sitting there and you go click into it, read it, click send, read, click send, read, click send, read, click send. What would take you about 10 minutes of your own time for all of those eight meetings can be reduced to about a minute if you have a really well-working relationship. We've seen this. This is proven. There's no question about this. And that's an order of magnitude efficiency improvement. And so that's very powerful. It's simple. That's what's so powerful about it. You just take a moment, you know, sometime in your day after a meeting when it's fresh, right, to just say what needs to happen next. And yes, then it's but, but let, me, no time. let me say this, if I may interrupt you again, I feel so bad about it because the thing that I'm most excited about is this. Not only are you now basically capable of doing it much faster, but you are going to be able to do it 100% of the time because if it costs you a minute, you have absolutely no excuse to not do it. Anything less than 100% is pure laziness. And you will have the time because of the speed of this functionality, not only send those one or two line emergency emails that we typically send these days, you will be able to send something that is way more thoughtful that maybe even has a comment about what you liked about that meeting or what you learned about that meeting. When you tell somebody, and this is sort of like along the themes of your podcast years, you tell something, you've learned something from them. It is almost always going to make this other person feel good. And in every single meeting you have, you will learn something. It's just inevitable, right? So you start habitually putting that into your dictations and now you're sending those emails out. And to me, what that means really is not just an order magnitude efficiency improvement. It is the difference between a good leader and a great leader. It's the small stuff that makes it happen, not the big thinking stuff. You saw me how animated I got, right? That's why I'm so 
absolutely excited about this. I can attest that it works because you gave us that playbook and several others, right? We, we'll talk about all of them. We don't have time, but they're all really pretty straightforward, right? And you can actually implement them. You just have to sort of work smart in these ways. And I now make time to do that. So many of these things to me at first felt like unnatural, but in reality, they're actually very natural. You would do it if you had all the time in the world because you are learning something. You do want to invest in the relationship, make the other person feel good. And you know something's going to come back from that. You just have to find a way to do it consistently and get a habit created. So you've done this for folks at Techstars. You've done this for folks at groups like Sequoia and Dreesen. You've also done it for folks at Roblox and tons of big companies. So you guys help leaders be great this way. I, I want to ask you about another phrase I've heard you mention. I'm not totally sure I understand what it means, so I, this is selfish that I'm asking, but this idea of positive alacrity, I've heard you talk about it. What, what does this mean, and what can I learn from it? Yes, absolutely. So positive alacrity is hands down the most, I don't know how you knew this, because this is like the perfect segue to sort of like the relationship stuff, right? Uh, because like at the end of the day, I hope your audience feels like, oh, there's a path for me to free up time by working in this way. And then I can invest that time into relationships. And the most powerful relationship building habit you will ever come across in your entire career is this concept of positive alacrity. I'm absolutely certain of it. And what it is, is nothing else but a skill that you develop to deliver micro experiences or micro moments to people you care about that have a profoundly uplifting experience for them. Or in layman terms, or simpler said, it is the simplest way you can actually make other people happy. And what it's based is on a very basic, simple habit. The habit is this. Whenever you think something positive and you genuinely believe it, voice it. It sounds so simple that basically, you know, like, duh. But it's really interesting because what I'm saying is it's not the big things like somebody is bringing in a million dollar contract. I'm talking about the small positive things, you know, these things that are slightly north of neutral. The best way to think about this is how often in the last seven days have you thought something positive? Typically, you look for triggers like when you think, ah, I never thought of it that way, or intriguing, or interesting, or even like, that's a different approach. Wouldn't you say that in the last, say, seven days, you thought these types of thoughts at least five to ten times? Absolutely. A couple times here on this podcast, so I should be practicing right now. Okay, good. I love that. If that's true, right? Like what happens is that these thoughts arise to your conscious level for a very short period of time where you think that, and then basically we do nothing with it and we let it decay again into subconscious levels. And that to me is one of the biggest unused relationship assets that people, especially leaders, aren't using. Because when you do this, then basically say, well, okay, I thought this was intriguing, a new uh, perspective. And you just say it because you genuinely believe it then you are going to make this other person feel really good. So I can give you a quick example. Let's say um, one of our listeners' company is in, in this phase where they're about to ship product, right? Everybody's focused on getting it out, right? Everybody's like killing hours, working long hours. It's really hard. But you as a leader, you see that basically your CFO is sitting down to spend some time with the uh, intern, teaching him something. And you like walk by and you notice it and you think, wow, that's really cool. What positive alacrity would say is that basically at one point later, you basically call them up on a Slack and make a video Slack or a Zoom call real quick. And you basically tell them this. You tell them like, hey, this is really important. The beginning is important. You say, hey, I don't have much time. I have to step into a meeting. But I wanted to let you know that I saw you today working with the intern so-and-so and I saw how you helped them 
learn how to do pivot tables in Google Sheets or Excel or whatever it is. And I just want to say that I really, given what we're having going on, I really appreciate that you still took the time to help this person out. It is super much along our culture. I appreciate it. But I got to run and you hang up. So you didn't have much time, but you had to send this note or... No, 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 no. So I was going to ask you, what do you think? Why did I put this time pressure on it? Of I, I got to go for a meeting and then you hang up real quick. Why do you think that's actually critical? It seems like it, it's elevating the importance of the fact that you're doing it, right? You could have been doing something else, but this was something you just had yes, to say. Yes, 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 yes. That's one reason and a very powerful one. But another reason, the reason why I think it's so important is this. Have you ever noticed then when you give anybody, especially people that work for you, a compliment that the first reaction you get is, hey, I'm just doing my job or don't worry about it, right? We humans are so good at diminishing things that actually are meant to be really positive. And so when you don't give that person the chance to even respond, he or she has to live with that positivity in their system and the full impact that this relationship effort actually has delivered to them. And they, they can't help but basically sit in the cubicle, for example, and start smiling, right? Because it feels good. And they didn't have the chance to take 50% of the energy away by saying something stupid like, oh, I'm just doing my job, right? And that's why we call it the dump and run strategy <laughs> of positive alacrity and, and definitely do that. And the beautiful thing is that it makes it so simple. Me saying this here on this podcast took me 12 seconds. There's absolutely no reason why you wouldn't do this all the time. And then something really interesting happens for you as a leader. You don't even notice it, but other people will see you in a different light because you're constantly pouring out genuine positivity to people. And we know that one of the things that powers the law of attraction like nothing else is positivity. We know that. That's common sense. And so in some ways, what I'm giving you with this technically speaking, is a very powerful tool to, for example, change the attrition rate your organization is actually seeing. They want to follow you longer because they perceive you as a person that you actually really become because we are how we interact as a person worth following. And that is one of the best things I think you can do to basically ensure the success of any vision that you're pursuing. Super timely advice too with what's going on in the world and so much people moving around between jobs and taking time off. And yeah, if, if retention's an issue, this is a, again, a relationship issue as fundamentally, I think what you're saying, everything basically boils down to it's better if your relationships are better. So uh, awesome advice. Thanks for giving some of it away uh, to the listeners. And if they want to learn more about Mind Maven, they can check it out online, learn more about you, Patrick. And Thanks for taking the time and I'll test it out here. I'm probably not very good at it, but you got to practice. I learned a bunch here today. I really appreciate you sharing it also with the entrepreneurs that we're invested in and the network around Techstars and I think it's really valuable. So thanks for doing that. I'm not going to give you time to react. I'm just going to say thank you so that you can't belittle it. And thanks for joining us, taking the time. I appreciate it a lot. This was super fun. Thanks for letting me be here. You got me so hyped. I'm so excited. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, Give First.